0: Go to exponentbeauty.com and use code TELL20 for 20% off a purchase of $100 or more. That's exponent, E-X-P-O-N-E-N-T, beauty, B-E-A-U-T-Y, dot com and use code TELL20, T-E-L-L, the numbers two, zero, for 20% off your purchase of $100 or more. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... day of the year on social media. I literally look forward to this day all year long. And it is my yearly social media challenge called One Day HH. Maybe you've participated in the past. Maybe you have seen the thousands of people who have participated in the past and you want to jump in this year. I want to have you. One Day HH which is the day on social media that we document our lives. We take one day to document what a day in our life looks like this year, in this exact season, and we do it hour by hour. That's the HH part of One Day HH. This goes down primarily on Instagram, and you can do it however you want. And you can participate however you want, hour by hour, or if that's too much for you, just a few glimpses of your day throughout the challenge. In the main feed, in stories, whatever feels comfortable for you. This challenge is meant to be fun, and I absolutely promise you, you will gain some insight and you will be glad You did it. People who have participated in One Day HH over the years look back at their previous days that felt really normal at the time and are blown away by how much their life has changed or by what seemed normal back then is so different now. It's really special. I'm going to do a whole bonus episode in a few weeks all about One Day HH, but I wanted to tell you here a few weeks in advance the date, so you can put it on your calendar so you can save the date, One Day HH 2021 will be on Tuesday, November 9th. Tuesday, November 9th is the day that we will take over the internet. We haven't done a Tuesday since 2015, so I'm kind of excited about that. I want to know what your Tuesdays in fall 2021 look like, so please join us for my annual social media challenge, One Day HH, on Tuesday, November 9th. More information to come, but save the date now. Or answer on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. This is a show about digging deeper and sharing our stuff. I'll go first. Somehow it is time for another favorite things episode. (laughs) And ever since we moved to making these episodes every 10 weeks instead of every 20 weeks, I am surprised by how quickly 10 weeks goes by, even in very strange seasons, like the one I'm in right now, 10 weeks goes by in a flash. Luckily, there are always new and fun favorite things to discuss, to share with you, and so I'm super excited for the things I'm going to talk about today in my 10 favorite things. And because it is the end of October, as this is releasing episode 140, it means that this is actually the last favorite things episode of the year. And so because of that, I have asked listeners to send in some voice memos telling me about some of their favorite things, like their one favorite thing for the whole year Kind of meant to get our juices flowing a little bit as we dip into holiday season. But also just because, again, this will be the last chance to do an official Favorite Things episode in 2021. Now, I will say that I do compile my Favorite Things of the year in December. It won't be an episode like this, but I always, every year, put together my best books of the year. Actually, that will be an episode, but I do a whole list of that and put that online. Thanksgiving week, I always put out my not a gift guide gift guide, which is not, in fact, a gift guide, (laughs) but is a compilation of basically my favorite things of the year that people can use for gift inspiration, but really it's sort of just like a sum up of my... Favorite things every year, I send those out in email form. So you have all the pictures and the links and all of that. Those come through to my secret post subscribers. If you want to be on that list, join tens of thousands of people on my secret post list to get my not a gift guide gift guide when that comes out around Thanksgiving. That will be more of my like best of the year stuff except for books. you will know I wait until the very last second to release my favorite books of the year because I really need to get to like the last few days. <laughs> like it really matters to me to read just one more book to see if it needs to go on that list. Anyway, the 10 favorite things I'm about to share with you are just a normal favorite things right now. What's tickling my fancy in this very moment? The listener memos are going to be those listeners' favorite things of the year. And then as we get down the road a little bit more in 2021, I will have more official favorite things lists. But here we are. Let's just jump in to my 10 favorite things. Now I will say that this list has five favorite things, like literal things that you can hold in your hand or kick with your foot or something. And then there are also five favorite things that are not, things that you can like purchase. And I did this for a couple of reasons. I always include some of those things that aren't items that are just like things I'm enjoying or whatever, but I was purposeful about it in this list. One, because I do not buy 10 favorite things in 10 weeks, like that would make a favorite things list that seems excessive. (laughs) And then also I did get some feedback that some people really prefer the non-purchasable things on the favorite things list, which I totally appreciate that perspective. I like it to always be a mix of things you can buy, things that might be handy to you or fun for you. And then also just like, you know, thoughts and feelings. I never want this to feel like, you know, a sales catalog or something. Okay. With that in mind, my number one thing is a thing to purchase and it's pricey and I'm not going to apologize for it. It just is, but I will say I'm shocked that not only I purchased this thing, but that it is number one on my favorite things list right now, and that is a Peloton. Y'all, I'm sorry. I joined the Peloton cult. Did I just say I was sorry? I didn't mean to. It's just shocking, really. It's basically shocking for a lot of reasons. The number one reason being I don't like to work out. I have never taken a spin class in my life. I don't like to ride regular bikes, let alone a stationary bike. The whole thing is completely bizarro. But one day in early September, sort of in those weeks when I was deeply on the struggle bus that I have talked about already, I was really sort of having a hard time. I knew one of the things that I really needed to do was be like moving my body and getting some exercise in. I hate exercise. I've been very, very open about that. And I particularly hate cardio. But the older I get, the more absolutely necessary it is. It is so good for my mental health. It is so good for my physical body. I am not naturally muscular. It's so funny because my husband is very muscly. My daughter is very naturally muscular. I am not. And when I was younger, like who cared? It's a body type, right? But for me, as I've gotten older, being physically weak has actually become problematic. Like when my core sort of collapses in on itself, it has become a legitimate problem for me, like physically. I've shared over the years how when I started Pilates about five years ago, I couldn't do a single sit-up. I just was very, very weak. And when I got stronger, physically stronger through Pilates, it made such a marked difference in my life and in the way I hold myself and in the way I wear my clothes and in the way I do anything. Like back then it was pick up my children. These days it's other sorts of physical activity, but like I just really, really notice it. I can't get away anymore without having some strength. And when the pandemic hit, I quit going to Pilates. I did not have the self-discipline to do online workouts at home, like just through YouTube or whatever, even though I love some of those teachers and I think some of those classes are really amazing, I just would put it off and never do it. Also, I don't love walking and hiking and, you know, doing some of those things that are very available to us. In Los Angeles, there are some beautiful places to purposefully hike, but I live in such an area where I couldn't just like take a walk around the block. That's sort of not what my neighborhood has. I mean, you could, but there aren't sidewalks. I've tried it like with the dog and stuff. It makes me very, very jumpy with cars and these narrow streets. And it's just, I just don't do it. So as I was thinking about a way I could do something at home, obviously the Peloton has been very popular for years. It became even more popular and cult-like in the last 18 months during the pandemic. I have multiple friends who have one and rave about it. It has literally never interested me, (laughs) like literally never. And one day, it was almost like a lightning bolt from the sky. I really don't know how else to describe this, but I like sat up in bed or I got up or something that morning and I just was like, I am going to get a Peloton now. I mean, it was so weird. And I didn't just like purchase it at that moment. I went down to a mall nearby where they have a Peloton store and you can try them and whatever. I made Jeff go with me. I tried it. We still went ahead and thought about it for a week or so. And then we decided, both of us, to gift ourselves with a Peloton for our wedding anniversary that was at the end of September. And I will tell you from the moment that we ordered that thing (laughs) and the moment that it landed at our house, I have never once felt weird about it. I've never felt squirmy. I've never had buyer's regret. I mean, I've only had it like barely a month. But I have just felt since I got it like, okay, this was a good decision for me. And I've been doing beginner classes. I'm truly terrible. I go very slow. But there is a lot of positivity around it. This is where the cult-like stuff comes in. Because, you know, it becomes like, less of a exercise machine and more of like a lifestyle or something i can't even say that without laughing but like it is very addictive not the spinning part like i spin to get the feeling i get from like having spun is that a word spun it's all just very strange and i don't usually Put something like this new in my life on the favorite things list, I'm really like pretty careful about what I put on the favorite things list, especially if I'm going to recommend it for someone to think about purchasing it because this is a very expensive piece of equipment. But I feel strongly enough about it to tell you that right now, truly the Peloton and the Peloton app and the Peloton instructors and like all of that, it is my number one favorite thing right now. Okay, my number two favorite thing right now, loosely related, if you will. I've actually talked about this before. I don't know if it made a favorite things list like on the podcast, but it's definitely made it into my not a gift guide, gift guide, favorite things list that I put out in the secret posts. It's a neck massager, a shiatsu neck massager. Now the exact one I purchased a couple of years ago is now obsolete. The company has upgraded it and I will link to that one and there's a few similar ones it looks like with like thousands of good reviews and they're all sort of doing almost the exact same thing. I will link to all of these in the show notes but the reason I'm bringing it up again right now as a current favorite thing, that's also been a past favorite thing, is because I have really had to pull this thing out and use it in the last couple of months. And it is genuinely effective, especially for something that you have at home that's under $60. I mean, you know, compared to like the price of getting massages or whatever. I have been holding so much tension in my neck and in my upper back. When I'm tense, it's just kind of what my body does. I hold a lot of tension there. Also, I sit at a computer for hours a day. Even with a good chair, that definitely affects my neck and shoulders. Also, also, I'm hunched over a phone for a lot of time in the day. A phone or my Kindle or a book. I have my head down, my neck sort of straining. Not in a way i'm conscious of but i just i definitely end up feeling it and especially in this season of having a lot of tension and being a little bit stressed it just multiplies i get headaches from it you know i really clench my jaw like there's just so much tension up there in this upper quarter of my body well here's why i like this shiatsu neck massager because it's ugly i mean that's not the reason i like it but it's an ugly machine looking thing (laughs) And I like it anyway, because if you're sort of a wimp about massages, you don't like a lot of pressure, but you do need a little bit of relief. It provides exactly that. If you just drape the thing around your neck and then it comes down and it sort of has these two things that hangs over your chest that you're supposed to put your arms in, letting the massager do the work up on your neck and upper back area while your arms sort of like hang loose in these strappy things. If you just drape it like that, it's light enough for anyone to get the benefits from that massage. If you, like me, need something that's really (laughs) going to get in there and like dig into your very tense neck muscles, you can kind of pull down on those straps I described and you pull it down and it really digs into you. It really does get in there. It can be very strong. For me, when I do anything like sit in a massage chair or one time, a long time ago, I bought one of those massage pad things that you like put in a chair and then you like sit back on it. Those did nothing for me. They just weren't strong enough. This weirdo contraption that I'm describing, because you are able to really increase the pressure yourself, it actually works. And for someone that gets migraines, especially migraines that are related to the fact that my shoulders are like up by my ears when I'm stressed out. They like Mm -hmm. stay up there. I really need to relax everything that's, you know, going on in that area. This thing really works. And at this type of a price point, it's absolutely worth trying. It would also make a good gift if you have someone in your life that you feel like could use something like this. And I wouldn't bring it up. As a repeat offender, if I just didn't think that we couldn't all maybe benefit from like loosening our tension, opening our chest and necks. I'm doing it now as I speak to you. Maybe you're doing it as you're listening. It is really helpful in these dark days to be conscious of our posture and of the strain that we're putting on our bodies with the way we sit and hunch over our devices and we can't always release that tension ourselves just from stretching or whatever. We sometimes need a little bit of help and this shiatsu neck massager is that help. having anything to do with exercise, but is also a real, real surprise because my number three is flare jeans. I, I mean, I know, I know this is a trend. Who saw this coming back? Who saw this coming back in style? I did not. Now I wore boot cut jeans whenever that was popular, end of the 90s, maybe early 2000s. But I never really did like the full flare, which is like more of a bell bottom, if you will, because they just seemed like, I don't know, almost clownish or something. I mean, and they can be, but I don't think I fully went full flare back in the day when it was like a throwback to hippies or whatever. Like I don't remember having flare jeans, just having kind of boot cut. Well, I saw a friend this summer for lunch. I met up with her for lunch and she's very stylish in like an understated way, not a trendy way at all. And she had on these flare jeans with some little flat shoes. Now she has legs for days, but it was so beautiful to me. Like I was like, oh my gosh, you look amazing in those flare jeans. When previously I had seen that the flare was making a comeback, but I had paid absolutely no attention. Here's the other part of that, though. I haven't felt great in jeans in years. I mean, they fit or they're trendy or whatever I get. And I don't know. I just have been like, I don't I don't feel great in my jeans. I don't know if it's a style thing. I don't know if it's a wash thing. I, I don't know. I just haven't. And when I had that episode a few weeks ago, episode 134 with Allison Lombatis from Get Your Pretty On, she talked about, A style staple for you should be great fitting black jeans or dark jeans. I guess I don't have to be black. And that kind of got my wheels turning. It just made me really think that I haven't felt great in jeans in so long and have really, if I'm going to reach for jeans, reached for like a slouchy fit, a boyfriend fit. But talking with her just really made me think of like that this was a gap in my wardrobe. Well then, not long after that, I was scrolling Instagram, as one does, and I come across Melanie Schenkel, darling Melanie Schenkel. Do you know her? She's also known as Big Mama. I've known Melanie through blogging for a million years. Her blog is called The Big Mama Blog, if you have ever heard of that. Anyway, Melanie posted a picture of herself in these darling flare jeans. I mean, and she was at a football game and it was all very fall and all very cute and I needed it immediately. And Melanie posts a lot of fashion stuff. She is really, really great style. And so of course I went and followed her affiliate link to these flare jeans and found myself on a website I'd never been on in my life called Sundance Catalog. Now Sundance catalog, it's not a place I'd ever purchased anything from. I did not feel upon immediate glimpse that it would be my exact style. It was definitely more mountainy. And like, I think there were horses. Not like Oklahoma horses. (laughs) Like, it was all very rustic. And I was like, hmm, Melanie, where have you sent me in search of these flare jeans? But I was determined and they looked so cute on her. And now I was on the hunt, right? I was like in the market for jeans I felt good in. So I ordered. I ordered my regular size, by the way, which I was a little bit trepidatious on because when you're ordering from a brand you're unfamiliar with, like who knows how that's going to go. So I just sort of held my breath and went for it. But the jeans arrived. I will not say it was particularly fast shipping, but the jeans arrived and I pulled them out and at first I was like, oh, this is too much of a flare. Like there's a lot of flare here. But I put them on and I just looked at myself in the mirror and I immediately pulled up my phone to message Miss Melanie Shankel and say, I'm looking at myself in the mirror right now in these flare mountain jeans and... This is the best I have felt in jeans in years, in years. They curved, they flared, they were high-waisted, so they kept in what needed to be kept in. They highlighted what I wanted to highlight. I just felt cute in jeans for the first time in a long time. It just felt so good to be in great fitting jeans, just like Allison Lombatis told me it would. I loved not being in slouchy boyfriend ripped up jeans, which are a certain style and a style I like and I'm comfortable with. But I also realized like the skinny jeans that I do have, they don't make me feel great either. And I couldn't have even necessarily told you why. And maybe these flare jeans will be out of style before the spring. I don't know. But If you find an item of clothing that makes you feel like you look great, like I'm just going to roll with it. And I wore those jeans that very day that I received them. I wore them then to one of my kids' basketball games and then to a dinner. And I got so many compliments. I don't know if they were complimenting the flare jeans. I mean, again, it might not be the style for everyone. But I think you carry yourself differently when you feel like you look cute that's the one style thing that my mom really hammered into my head when I was young, is that if you feel like you look good, you will act better. And she's totally right. And that piece of advice has really driven a lot of my style and clothing purchase decisions over the years when I realize, like, I will feel more confident or relaxed if I'm not super self-conscious about my clothes or tugging at something ill-fitting or itching because the fabric is crappy. Like if you feel like you look good, you will be more of yourself. You will relax into yourself. And so here I am in my flare jeans, just feeling myself (laughs) very much enough to make it onto this favorite things list. I'll link to these Sundance catalog jeans, even though I'm sure as you can hear, it's not just about the actual jeans. I'll link to them, they're called the Farrah Melrose. I do think, you know, flare jeans tend to look better on taller people or long-legged people. Although do your thing, I think, you know, everybody knows their own body best. And I sort of wish that I had sized down. There were some people in the comments or in the reviews that suggested this, but I did not believe them for one second. If people say size down, I absolutely do not believe you. If you say size up, I will follow your advice in the comments, but when people say size down, I'm very skeptical. My usual size looked fantastic in the mirror as described, but I will say like denim does, they stretched and were a little bit loose and were a little bit looser from a look standpoint and I wish they had stayed fitted. So if I'd sized down, I think maybe it would have sucked, pun intended. (laughs) For the first hour or so because they would have like been a little bit too small but I think by the end of the day they would have fit the way I liked that they fit so that's my only advice I still love them I'm still going to wear them even though they're a smidge looser than the first few minutes that I put them on because now I'm like considering them like my magic jeans from Sundance catalog Farah Melrose you can go thank Melanie Schenkel for these okay number four is Really, only for a very small segment of the population that listens to this. But I'm including it anyway because this is a true favorite things list for me. And also because I think it might be fun for art projects or different things if you have teenagers that are into what I'm about to describe. Even if you think you don't need anything like this, I succumbed to an Instagram ad. Yes, I got this as an Instagram ad. And bought a foldable mobile phone holder. And that isn't that's what the box says, But let me tell you what it's really doing. It's meant to hold your phone and let you shoot photos or videos from above. So when you've seen those people who are like, let's say, doing calligraphy and the shot is from above, or cooking, and the, obviously they're shooting from above the pan or whatever, and that's all you're seeing. And it's held very steady. It's like a tripod-y thing, except it's not a tripod, that is meant for shooting above the table or the stovetop or whatever. I have been using this. I use this to make a reel about queso, (laughs) and it was actually very helpful. I also used it for a video I did about a book I was reading. I wanted to read aloud. I sometimes do this on Instagram. And Sometimes it's really hard to like hold the phone and turn the pages in the book. I can do it, but sometimes the phone is shaky and it doesn't, you know, feel great. Like I needed a way to hold above and I'd done some Googling and some Amazon searching and whatever and there weren't great reviews and some of the things seemed flimsy because, you know, the physics of it means that the base has to be pretty heavy to support your very expensive phone. Held out, you know, like on a little arm, it kind of needed to be a sturdy enough thing. I got this one, and it's not made in the USA. In fact, I don't know like what the official brand is. I'm holding the box and I'm gonna link it for you. But like, my main point here is not even this exact item because I think there's a lot of different sort of imitation items doing the same thing, but to think about this as something that might be fun for a project, you know, you don't have to be like a social media person, to still want to shoot some videos this way. Like I said, doing art or cooking. You know, maybe you have a kid that wants to shoot themselves doing some art. Maybe you want to FaceTime with someone cooking. I would have loved it if my mom did this. And you, like, it's just impossible to hold the phone and stir the thing and everything. So this one is a little bit random, but I'm just encouraging you to think not like, why would I need a cell phone holder. But like, how could I use a handy cell phone holder? I have a different holder that I will also link to that has also made a favorite things list, I know for sure, that I use for my reading parties. You know, I do these reading parties on Instagram where I go live. I do an Instagram live and we all just read together silently, maybe with a pretty background. Maybe I put my fish tank up in the background sometimes or the koi pond in our backyard or something like that, and. I can't hold the phone the whole time and do that. I've, I've been out and about one time at the beach. I did a reading party and I just propped it up. I actually realized it is so much nicer to have this stand where you just don't have to worry about it. And it's relatively inexpensive. So think about this, even if you just do a lot of FaceTimes or you use your phone for Zoom or something like that, that it is much more stable to use one of these holders than it is to just like prop it up on something. Or have to hold it and keep switching hands. It's just one of those gadgets. And now maybe we're all going to get ads for it in our (laughs) feeds now. But it's just one of those gadgets that ends up being really handy to have. Okay, number five is books. I want to share with you my favorite books I've read lately. Remember back on episode 132 when I shared the best books of the summer? And I was giddy over having read nine, I think it was, nine five-star books in, you know, a few-month period, and I was like, that has not happened to me (laughs) in a long time, and I was just like on cloud nine with my reading life this summer. Well, you knew I was going to jinx it, right, because I knew I was going to jinx it right when I said it, but after I did that episode throughout September, all of September and a little bit of October, I... Did not read so many five stars. I don't think I read any five stars actually. And in fact, you know, kind of ended up reading some real stinkers, if you will. And I was like, well, I did this to myself for just bragging on how many great books I read this summer. Anyway, I haven't read as many great books as usual, but I have read several good ones. And I'm going to tell you about the two best, my two favorites. Of the last couple of months, one fiction and one nonfiction. I'll start with the nonfiction because it is significantly more important and better. And that is The Dance of Anger by Harriet Lerner. I posted on Instagram that I was reading this one, and people came, like, you know, out of the woodwork to really rave about how this book had changed their life. This book was published a very long time ago. Originally published in 1985, and the subtitle is A Woman's Guide to Changing the Patterns of Intimate Relationships. Now I picked this one up. I think it is the most popular of Harriet Lerner's books. Harriet Lerner, if you're not familiar with her, she is a PhD. She's written a number of really popular books. And last year, you might have heard her on Brene Brown's podcast. She was a real influence to Brene Brown, a real teacher to her. So if you love Brene Brown, you are probably going to connect with Harriet Lerner. And I picked up The Dance of Anger because, again, I think it's the most popular of her books, but I actually read her book, The Dance of Connection, last year. I think I liked The Dance of Connection better just because it's the message that I needed. It's not to say that I don't ever struggle with anger, that I didn't really appreciate the illustrations in The Dance of Anger, but I was just really, really blown away by The Dance of Connection. However, if you kind of flip through and see a little bit about what The Dance of Anger is about and you feel like this is something you really need in you know your marriage or any relationship in your life where anger is simmering or anger is full-blown present, Or there's a lot in here kind of about emotional manipulation. So that's not directly related to anger, except that it is a little bit. And I learned some things in here about some dynamics that I had heard of and like sort of knew loosely like triangulation in a relationship and how that works in a manipulative sort of way that learner really spells out and helped me really understand what was happening there. There was another really important part to me in this book that talks about when you have one part of a partnership that is an overfeeler, you know, very emotional and or emotive, and then you have one that's an underfeeler, someone that stuffs it all down, doesn't even let themselves feel a lot. It's a very common dynamic for these type of people to pair up. And in fact, maybe my marriage looks a little bit like that (laughs) with an overfeeler and an underfeeler. And she sort of explains what can sometimes long-term happen in that particular dynamic. Like one thing that she talked about was that overfeelers end up, you know, carrying the emotion for underfeelers. And it kind of lets underfeelers off the hook. They don't have to feel mad or sad or hurt because the overfeeler has sort of felt all the emotions for both of them and it just really perpetuates what can be unhealthy about being an overfeeler or an underfeeler. It made a lot of sense and ended up sparking a really great conversation with me and Jeff because I brought it up and was explaining to him that felt true for us in some situations and I was afraid he would just like dismiss it or something, but he really didn't. And we ended up having a really good conversation about it. So if any of this sounds like it might be of interest to you, don't be turned away by the word anger if you think, well, I'm not really an angry person or, or whatever. It's not just about anger. It's a lot just about intimate relationships and their dynamics. I just thought it was super interesting. So that was The Dance of Anger by Harriet Lerner. The other one, this is totally a candy fun weekend read. This was not a five-star read for me, but this was a four-star read in that I just enjoyed myself while I was reading it. I just was in the mood for like a good thriller with a cast of characters that I was invested in and that I couldn't see the plot twist coming from a mile away. And I just enjoyed myself while reading it over over a weekend. And that is Friends Like These by Kimberly McCraight. I ended up buying this one because I really liked her book, A Good Marriage, that came out mm, last year the year before. I really liked that one. So when Friends Like These, which is very new, just came out, dropped, I went and bought that and just had a wonderful Saturday afternoon with a group of friends away on a weekend in the Catskills and someone gets murdered. You know, it was that kind of thing. And I enjoyed myself. So the two books that are on my favorite things list right now that I've really enjoyed were Harriet Lerner's The Dance of Anger and Friends Like These by Kimberly McCrate. If you have followed me on social media for any length of time, you know that I love house style and home stuff and I love to share little corners of our house some style choices that we are making. I and my husband, Jeff, we both sort of have kind of quirky home style, (laughs) if you will. I always get a lot of comments because it is, I guess I want to say bold, but also like a lot of the comments on my home posts seem to be like, wow, I could never do that. (laughs) And I, I don't know if they're referring to painting the living room pink, putting up flying links, wallpaper in the bathroom. Like, I don't know what possibly could they mean? Anyway, I just love kind of doing fun, unique things in the house. And I have very, very particular taste about it. And I take a lot of ownership and pride in it. And all of those reasons have kept me from working with a professional. Even though I know that in the past I could have used the help or the resources or whatever, but like I just have never been able to kind of let go of the control, what I thought was letting go of the control of working with a professional designer. Well, when we moved houses in May, there were several things that we wanted to do to the new house, some changes I wanted to make that I absolutely knew I couldn't handle on my own. And also Jeff and I had talked over the years about you know making the investment of maybe working with someone. And even though it seemed like an added expense, especially when we like to do a lot of home style choices ourselves, I did have friends who, you know, kind of explained that it doesn't always end up as pricey as you think it's going to because working with a designer saves you money on the retail. You know, they get discounts or they have access to things that are wholesale prices. So then how you pay them, it, it can, and I'm not making this about the financial advice of it because that's a different, well, it's a whole different thing, but I'm just explaining how I thought about it and came to this decision. But it can end up sort of evening out to what you would pay if you were doing it yourself and paying full retail or whatever. So, because I had these needs in the new house and actually and I had a friend, she was an acquaintance who had worked with some friends and she was sort of in our social circle, who I loved her style and I had seen what she had done and it was amazing, and we were friendly enough that I felt like she wasn't going to fully take over a project. Like she understood my taste and Of course, there are designers that will just like do the whole thing for you, I guess, if you wanted to just be hands off or if that wasn't your forte and you just wanted it to look nice and, you know, could afford to just hand it off like that. There are designers that work like that for sure. I did not realize that there were also designers, like the one I'm working with, who just sort of holds my hand. (laughs) I mean, she helps me. She does more than that. She really provides a sense of taste and, you know, shows me things or makes me think of, of things that I wouldn't have thought of myself because I don't do this for a living. And so it hasn't turned out to be what I thought it would be, With which is me like losing my sense of style to someone else. Because we only choose things that I have okayed or loved or picked out myself and she's just helped me procure it. And I have to tell you that designers have a million more resources than like me Googling pottery barn or whatever (laughs) I mean she has a lot of vendors that she works with who can make exactly what we're envisioning for this piece of furniture or this rug or whatever she has websites and things like I'd never heard of and there's no way I would be able to find on my own like they don't come up on Google or I, I don't know the right thing to Google or whatever you know so it opened up a whole bunch of doors for me and I'm really really happy about that. You know, a side note about this that I have learned on a deep, deep level in the last year, I would say, is that I have spent so much of my adulthood not accepting help for things that I could technically do myself. I thought that that was like a moral failing to hire someone to help me manage email, to hire someone to help me edit this show, because I I can handle email and I can edit this show. Same with my house. Why would I hire someone to help me pick things for my house when I love to pick things for my house? But you know what happens when you are able or willing to let professional people help you with things that they might be better than you at, first of all? It can show you really quickly of like, oh, well, I was handling that, but I wasn't handling it as well as this person is. And it can also just free up your plate for the things that you are best at or that you want to do. I just did not learn this lesson until I was in my 40s. And it makes me want to kick myself. I mean, I'm not going to beat myself up too much about it, but it really does actually make me want to kick myself in several areas, most importantly, professional areas that I had too many control issues and too many weird ideas about the morality of it or something. I don't know. I just, nobody really set me straight and I had to kind of learn it the hard way actually that asking for help or hiring help is helpful and it brings you closer to your goals or closer to who you want to be and does not make you look weak or incompetent or unskilled or whatever the opposite of superwoman is. It doesn't. The people in the last two years that I've ended up hiring to help me do something that I could technically do have only taught me so much about what I can do, about what I can do in the future, about which parts of a task I want to be doing. And so anyway, I won't give like a whole speech about it, but the number six favorite thing on this list is officially working with a designer, but it's unofficially hiring help in areas that need it. By someone who's better at it than I am. Which brings us to number seven, also sort of a house thing, but won't cost you anything or won't cost you much. Number seven is organizing my spaces, nesting, if you will. So before we moved in the spring, we did a ton of decluttering. I mean, we had lived in our old house 11 years and I'm not a terrible Declutterer. I'm not a hoarder. Like, I do every few years do a pretty mass declutter. And I feel like at least once a year, I stay on top of cleaning out the closets of old clothes and too small clothes and things like that with kids and toys. And I haven't like let that go to a point that we were like drowning in stuff. And still, before we moved, because this is like one of the best parts of moving. We cleared out and donated or threw away so much stuff that had accumulated in like all corners of everywhere. Who knows? And so I felt really good about that when we moved into our new house. I felt like, okay, we didn't have so much of an excess that I, you know, kind of didn't have control of it. But our move had to happen quickly. We were in the process of selling our old house and we got completely moved, of course, but we didn't get completely organized like everything went into a space where it made sense like that's where the shoes go or whatever but it wasn't all exactly like nested or sorted or whatever it didn't bother me for many months because in our decluttering we had really you know gotten every drawer every space to a real manageable amount of things and so it didn't like bug me that it all wasn't perfectly organized or anything. Like if I opened a bathroom drawer, there was only a few things in there. So I didn't feel like I needed to rush out and get like a container for those things or anything. You know what I mean? So it felt really good here for months while we focused on other things that were happening in our life. But I did look up at some point late summer and realize like, okay, well, I do need to like finish with all these boxes. I do need to do a bit more nesting. Maybe some of this was nudged on by my husband, but I was starting to be like, okay, everything is where it's supposed to be, but it doesn't look or function exactly the way we need it to do. And so I've been a little more methodically than I was going through different spaces and really organizing them. And This seems like it would be really obvious, but organizing, especially if you're not organizing from a place of overwhelm, but you're organizing from just a place of how can I, you know, make this function better. It is so satisfying. It is so satisfying. If you spend a weekend afternoon organizing a corner of your space and then you can just step back and like look at the gloriousness that you (laughs) have made because all the soap is lined up together. All of the hair ties are in one little basket in a drawer. Like it's so satisfying. Now our family is not the type to live ultra organized, you know, ultra spick and span. Our home is very lived in and I'm never going to be like too precious about every little tiny thing being in the right place. But Really taking time to arrange my things or our family's things in a way that feels good and makes sense for its function, it's just there's like nothing like it. There really is nothing like it. And I will tell you, if you are having a lot of stress or are sad or something like that, I mean, I would honestly recommend like taking some hours and organize something, truly, like organize something and see. (laughs) If it doesn't give you like a little win in a way that's like a boost. It really is like some kind of an emotional hormonal boost to feel like, okay, I did this. Like I put things in order and it has helped put my head and heart in order also. I do know that this is common sense. I do know that there's like a million podcasts or books or memes out there that address this very thing. But until you do it yourself, you can't fully appreciate like, The satisfaction, the feeling like you really accomplished something or like you are a person who has it together because the hangers all face the same way. (laughs) You know what I mean? I really want you to try this. It is my number seven thing, organizing my house. Number eight of my favorite thing right now is big kid birthdays. So both of my kids, Lucy and Finch, they have birthdays in October. They were born the same week in October, exactly two years apart. This month, Lucy turned 12, Finch turned 10. And it was just an absolute joy. You know, last year in 2020, we really didn't get to celebrate their birthdays. We did a little bit of a family thing, just the four of us. Like We marked the occasion, of course, but there was no party or anything like that. This year... Finch at 10 was able to host his first ever sleepover with a couple of friends from school and Lucy was able to have a fun afternoon and dinner with a handful of her good friends and it just felt so good not just to celebrate them you know birthdays are for celebrating but I just really basked in the big kidness of it all Now, I loved little kid birthday parties. I mean, there is nothing more magical than a little kid birthday party with like a silly cake and I don't know, a pinata and kids running around screaming and whatever. We had some wonderful little kid birthday parties that are like truly (laughs) some of my favorite family memories. They make me laugh. I'll just share one quick story about little kid birthday parties. Because my kids were born the same week, we milked the double birthday party situation as long as we could. Like, they had a double birthday party for several years. And this was great. They were at a little tiny preschool, so the guest list was never really overwhelming. Well, when they got a bit bigger, they understandably didn't want to share the spotlight for their birthday parties. And they also wanted to invite, like, their whole class or whatever, which was going to be too many people for them to have two full classes in our backyard. And so... The first year that they didn't want to have a double birthday party, I think they were seven and nine. So I think they were first grade and third grade. And I came up with maybe my most parenting genius idea of all time. Well, was it genius or was it stupid? You tell me. But I had their birthday parties on the same day, like on the same Saturday. I had both parties. So I only had to rent some tables and chairs have one big food pizza delivery or whatever it was, one big set of balloons or decorations or whatever. And Finch's birthday party was like at 11 a.m. where all the first graders were there. And Lucy's birthday party was like at 2 p.m. and all the third graders were there. So we just sort of rotated out. The first graders were leaving as the second graders were arriving and it was fresh pizza on the tables. A whole second round of the exact same birthday party, except with slightly older kids. And I like laughed hysterically all day. I mean, I was exhausted. It was truly the most exhausting day. But also I was like, I am a genius because I only had to pay for one delivery and set up. I think I maybe had a bouncy house. So one bouncy house. I didn't have to do all of this twice. Well, I did have to do it twice, but only in one day. Anyway, it was a very funny and silly way to handle the birthday party situation. But Now we're in kind of a different phase. They want something different for big kid birthdays. And I just felt a ton of gratitude this year as I was looking around. I know there's a lot of gratitude to go around in 2021 right now. But even though there are things I'm nostalgic about for the little kid years, I am just enjoying big kids so much. I love who they are. I love our conversations. I love what they want to do for their birthday. Like every part about it is such a sweet spot for me. And I didn't know it would be like this. So many people warn against the preteen years. And yes, you know, there's some ups and downs to what happens in preteen world. But in general, I'm just loving these ages. And if you're listening to this and your kids are little and it's a struggle for you because I've talked a lot about how my mental health declined when I had little kids. It was really emotionally a white knuckle experience for me and there was not enough sleep and there was not enough vitamins and there was not (laughs) enough therapy. And it felt like there was never enough time for anything ever. And I kept looking around at these moms that seemed to be thriving in the baby and toddler years. They were just blissed out on their motherhood. And I wasn't. But my bliss was coming. It was on the way. And so I don't know if you connect to that or not. But if you also had or are having a hard time with the baby years, Maybe you will excel in the big kid years because it is just a joy right now. It is just such a joy to be in this stage of life. And so that is why that is number eight big kid birthdays of my favorite things right now. Ways to consume a book now as a hard copy on an e reader or as an audiobook. My favorite type of audiobooks are non-fiction. I love to listen to general nonfiction on audio. And anytime I do that, it's always with Audible. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment all in one place. They're also more than just audiobooks. They have Audible Originals, which I love. They're kind of like podcasts. They have guided fitness and meditation and sleep tracks for better rest, along with thousands and thousands of audiobook titles. With your Audible membership, you'll get one credit every month to use on any title in their entire premium collection. Buzzy new releases, bestsellers, celebrity memoirs, or any book you've been meaning to start. All of your Audible titles stay in your Audible library forever. Along with your monthly credit, your membership also gives you access to the popular Plus catalog. This is where all of those extras I mentioned above can be found. Audible is way more than just audiobooks, and their Plus catalog is proof. The Audible app is free to download and super easy to use. It is compatible with all smartphones and tablets. You can listen across all devices and not lose your place. This is huge. And your monthly credits can accrue for up to one year, so you can save them and binge a series if you want to. My listeners can try Audible free for 30 days by going to audible.com things. That's audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot things, T-H-I-N-G-S, to try Audible free for 30 days. Number nine, favorite things were in the homestretch. Number nine is two documentaries that I watched that are already very popular. You've probably heard of them, but I'm sharing them because I was riveted. And if you haven't watched them yet or you haven't even heard of them yet, I just need to tell you how interesting I thought these two very popular documentaries are. The first was Lula Rich about the Lula Roe multi-level marketing company that sold leggings and dresses and other clothing items. This documentary is about the origin of the LuLaRoe company, how it built into this massive MLM, and then how it effectively imploded. It is still around, actually, but it basically imploded a few years ago, leaving a lot of the LuLaRoe members or sellers, or I'm not sure what you would call them, independent stylists in debt and with a ton of already paid for merchandise that they couldn't sell, in broken relationships because of, you know, what they sacrificed to be a part of Lularo. Anyway, it was super, super fascinating. There's been so much research and things shared in the last few years about MLM's multi-level marketing companies and they're not all the same and they don't all have the same structure or requirements in that LuLaRoe required you to purchase yourself the merchandise that you were then going to sell. So you can see how that's going to leave someone in a different lurch than some of these other companies that don't require that but are leaning on you heavily to get people to sell as part of your team or, you know, there's, there's sort of different structures of how these go down. And I don't know that all these documentaries or podcast series or whatever are wholly fair always, but I'm recommending this one, Lula Rich, because probably you know someone that sold LulaRoe. Maybe you sold LulaRoe. But this wasn't only a documentary looking from the outside in. I mean, they w- were interviewing and is threaded throughout this interview with the founders, the woman who founded it and her husband. And that dynamic is fascinating and then also people who had worked for the company and then people who were selling LuLaRoe and you know all of these different aspects of it I I thought it was great and frankly jaw-dropping the other one even more jaw-dropping and actually absolutely bananas like absolutely bananas if you like really wild documentaries this one is called The Way Down it's a limited series which this is actually sort of frustrating that they released three episodes of this limited series documentary on HBO Max. And then they're going to release the next two episodes in 2022. So I'm very unsure why they released it this way. However, it's fascinating enough for me to tell you about it. It is about Pastor Gwen Chamblin, who was the pastor of the Remnant Fellowship, a church in Tennessee. She is originally famous for creating a diet program called the Way Down Workshop. And so this church is purportedly Christian, but it's tied up in a lot of weight loss. Like, it's all tied. I can't even do justice to what this story is. Gwynne Shamlin, this pastor, tragically died in a plane crash just this year, which is possibly why this release schedule was affected in this way. But this story of how this church came to be and the people who have been a part of it and the people who have left, it is unlike any church documentary I've ever watched. And I like extreme religious docs or books or podcasts or whatever. I I find all of that fairly fascinating. This, if you also like it, this doc, The Way Down, you, you won't believe it. I'll tell you what else you won't believe. Gwen Shamblin's hair. And y'all, it is not my style to talk about, like, someone's appearance. But this, you must Google. This is not, uh, it is, I've never, you, you, you have to look at it yourself to be like, this is truly a fascinating way to be in the world. And I'm only talking about the hair part as fascinating. A lot of the other stuff she espoused was absolutely damaging. And it's heartbreaking to hear a lot of these stories. But if you like this type of, doc, if it won't make you too sad to watch this type of thing, I highly recommend it. It is again called The Way Down and it is on HBO Max. Okay, last one. We made it y'all. You know these episodes. I just, I can't stop talking and raving about the things that are my current favorites. But here we are. Number 10. My favorite thing right now is actually a thing that is coming up. You heard it at the top of the show. My number 10 favorite thing is one Day HH. This is my annual social media challenge. It is not just fun, although it is so fun. It is also always insightful. I always learn something, not only from sharing my own day, because this is what we're doing. We're sharing like a day in our life, day in the life kind of thing, hour by hour, all day on the One Day HH challenge. We use that hashtag. And so we're following along with one another's days also. I always learn so much, not just from sharing my own day, because in sharing some of the mundane parts of your day, like here's what it's like in my morning routine, here's what it's like inside my cubicle, here's what I see when I walk my dog every day, like these things that are very, very normal and rote for us, When you are suddenly sharing it with others, you have a new perspective, even on your own stuff, of like how beautiful that walk is with your dog that maybe you've sort of stopped seeing, but then someone else comments on like how gorgeous that path is, and you see it again, like anew. So it gives you fresh perspective on your own day in your own life. But then as always, it is just incredible to watch people around the globe because people participate from all over the world to see how different people's days look because they live in a different part of the world or because they have a totally different life or lifestyle than I do. So to follow along with other people's day, you see these differences because they're stark. But you know what else you see? How alike we are. You see that there are so many threads of similarities, even between people whose lives look so different than yours. You see how many of us are running errands and eating lunch and giving a toddler a bath and picking up the dry cleaning and trying to get our reading in and shoot, did we miss our workout? Like all these things. Sure, maybe we could know this like intellectually, realize that our days are the same and different, you know? But when you're doing this challenge and to really see it in real time, it is, it is beautiful. It is illuminating. But even if you don't want to make it all so meaningful as that, which it doesn't have to be so meaningful, it's just fun. It's literally fun to show your day and see other people's days. That's it. Like it can just be as simple as that for you. One Day HH is coming up. It is Tuesday, November 9th. I will, ahead of time, do a whole bonus episode that explains more, that answers any questions if you have them, that really kind of deep dives on what One Day HH is. I will also provide graphics on social media if you're going to participate that you can post ahead of time to be like, so sorry, going to be posting a lot tomorrow. I don't think we need to be ultra apologetic about it. I'm really not. But I also know if you've never done anything like this, you know, it's a little gun shy to suddenly start posting like multiple times throughout the day. So I have all kinds of graphics that you can share if you're going to participate. I'll explain more as we get closer, but I really want you to mark your calendars for Tuesday, November 9th for One Day HH. It is absolutely my favorite thing. And I think if you participate, it will become one of your favorite things also. Speaking of you, the listener, I now have a handful of listeners that send me in voice memos with their favorite things of the year. I ask them to take it a little bit, you know, kind of bigger and deeper than mine and go with a favorite thing of the year that they wanted to share with you since this is the last Favorite Things episode of 2021. I wanted to give you a chance here to share your favorite things. If you didn't get to send in a voice memo or if my favorite things or these listener favorite things inspired you... I would love it if you would share online in the 10 Things to Tell You Connection group, which is our Facebook group that we love, or on your own channels. Just make sure you tag the show so I can see it at 10 Things to Tell You. It is always a joy to share with you my favorite things. And now, let's hear from a few listeners. Hi, I'm Jen from British Columbia, Canada, and one of my favorite things of the year is my Loose Leaf Tea Subscription. Every three months I get four bags of delicious loose leaf tea of various kinds delivered to my house and it is such a joy to me. My particular subscription is from Tea Sparrow, based out of Vancouver. Hi, it's Christy from Chicago and my favorite thing is an authentic book subscription. It is my ideal self-care. It comes with an autographed new release, a fancy chocolate bar, cocktail mixer, playlist, candle, and beauty products like a shower scrubber mask. Everything is super high quality and pertains to the themes of the book. And 5% is given back to charity. I'm Tiffany from Birmingham, Alabama, and my favorite thing of the year is Good Juju Inc. They have beautiful, whimsical stationery for all kinds of occasions, greeting cards, notebooks, amazing gift wrap. I am stalking their website, goodjujuinc.com, for the upcoming holiday release, and I feel like it will be one of your favorite things, too. Hi, this is Linda from Raleigh, North Carolina. My favorite thing this year is Creo Brew, which is 100% cacao and it's brewed just like coffee and it's really good. Hello, I'm Rachel from Wisconsin and my favorite thing these days is Epsom salt. I prefer unscented, but I know you can get it in a lot of variety of scents and it just gives my body a nice refresh after a good soak in the tub. Hi, I'm Becky from Texas. My favorite thing this year has been AirPods Pro. They were given to me as a gift. I probably never would have bought them for myself, but I think they're really worth it. I use them just about every day and they make listening to podcasts and audiobooks So wonderful. Hi, my name is Amy and I'm from Boston. My favorite thing right now is Green Chef. I love the meals. I love how great they taste. I love how easy they are to cook and how much brain power I save in meal planning. And an added bonus, my daughter went off to college and her first apartment, and I gave her a subscription too. I'm Tabitha from Huntsville, Alabama, and my favorite thing of the year is the I Do Care Let's Get Sheet Faced sheet mask set. I got mine from Ulta. It's a variety pack of awesome sheet masks that have stepped up my skincare and self-care routines this year. And let's be honest, I also really enjoy it for the punny name, Let's Get Sheet Faced. I see what you did there. Tremaine and you've just listened to the 10 Things to Tell You podcast. You can find the show notes and subscribe to episode emails at 10 thingstotellyoucom slash podcast. And you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at 10 Things to Tell You. Remember, this is an interactive podcast. I have 10 Things to Tell You, and you have 10 Things to Tell. So take this topic to your journal or a friend or post on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you these episodes are meant to bring connection with others and ourselves and spark better conversations thanks for listening now go share something